Welcome back to episode 29 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. This week, looking ahead to game week 7. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast. My name's Mitch and I'm your host and we are coming in off the back of game week 6. And glancing over the list of results from the last few days, dare I say things are starting to look uh, back to normal. No game had more than three goals, six clean sheets, and now every team in the league has lost a game. The current bottom four are continuing to look like they will form at least part of the relegation battle come the end of the season, with Fulham and West Brom particularly looking like fixtures to target when picking new players or when deciding who to start in your squads each week. Worrying times for Brighton, who are still struggling to convert performances into points and are conceding a lot of goals, making them another fixture to target when deciding on player options. Spurs, or more accurately, Son and Kane, have scored the most goals after six games with 16, and Aston Villa currently have the best defensive record, albeit with five matches played, averaging one goal against per game, with Arsenal currently having the best defensive record of those that have played six, having let in seven so far, but with just one clean sheet from their opening match against Fulham. Due to the still limited data set, there are still a few teams that have been skewed by freak results, particularly Villa Spurs, Liverpool and Man United. So do bear that in mind if stats and expected stats your bag. Generally, this would have been a fairly low scoring game week across much of the FPL draft universe due to the low scores uh, and the majority of the big hitters blanking this week. The fixtures next week have a similar feel to this week with a lot of games being either evenly matched or usual free scorers coming up against teams that will be set out to disrupt and defend, particularly the three Saturday games. Looking slightly further ahead, there are some teams that are moving or have moved already into a very favourable fixture run and they will all be mentioned in this episode. So let's get into it. So as always, let's get into some of the main picks by position, starting off with goalkeepers and just one to mention this week. And that's Melier for Leeds, who is averaging a very respectable four points a game after six matches, which is better than some would have predicted pre-season. Unless you're in very large leagues, he will be in your squad probably as a backup keeper, but he is certainly good enough to rotate in and out depending on fixtures. And if you're holding on to a non-starter, uh, an easy choice to pick up. Moving on to the defenders then, uh, the first one to mention is Patrick van Arnholt, but more realistically, um, it's the entire Crystal Palace defence that uh, I need to bring up. A team with a cracking set of fixtures coming up before uh, a more tricky Christmas schedule. They have the likes of Leeds, Burnley, Newcastle and West Brom and could be right for a couple of clean sheets in the next month or so. Patrick van Aanholt has been a standout name in discussions over the last uh, week or two and we finally saw him get some game time from the bench. Interestingly, it was Klein that was subbed off with Tyreek Mitchell then moving over to the vacant right-back spot to allow uh, van Aanholt his usual left-back spot. The team selection this week uh, against Wolves will be interesting because Mitchell has been solid so far. So whether him and uh, Van Aanholt both start, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, annoyingly, Kiate is the most nailed on defender for Palace at the moment. But in FPL, he's listed as a midfielder. So not really one to consider. The likes of Scott Dan, Sacco and Ward have all been in and out of the team so far. But you could always use the Wolves game 
as an extra week to see where the land lies a bit and get one of them in ahead of game week eight with a little bit more clarity. The next player to talk about is Kurt Zuma, who's the defender with the most minutes for Chelsea so far, playing five out of their six matches with two goals to his name already. Hurts me to bring him up this week, having left his nine points on the bench for not one but two of my draft teams. But ahead of fixtures against Burnley, Sheffield and Newcastle, getting Chelsea defensive coverage looks to be a good move with Zuma your likeliest way into that and also the surest way in in terms of uh, starting places. Chilwell is obviously the gold standard pick here if you want a, a way into the Chelsea defence, but good luck getting hold of him at the moment. The final defender to mention, uh, and a name that's already uh, come up on the pod, is Max Kilman for Leeds, who is the most informed player at Wolves currently, um, playing to the left of Connor Cody, 23 points from just three appearances, um, and just one assist throughout that, managing six out of a possible nine bonus points. He was one of the hidden gems last week, but now very much out in the in the cold light of day and the most transferred in defender last week across all leagues. In 10-team leagues, for example, he went from just under 2% ownership up to 40%. And um, you know, that's a huge jump for one week, and I expect that to increase even further this week. If he's available in your league, definitely one to consider, but I would bear in mind that Wolves' next fixtures are less than ideal, um, but they do have a couple of home games that look okay against Crystal Palace and Southampton in the next few weeks. On to the midfielders then, and the first one to mention uh, is Wilfred Zaha for Palace. Can be a frustrating player to own in FPL as you'll eye up a cracking run of fixtures as, as I'm doing now and expect big hauls only for him to disappoint and probably end up with more yellow cards than, than goals. Not been the case so far, 48 points from six games, so averaging eight a match, which puts him right up there among the top performers so far. I've already mentioned the fixture on when talking about the defenders. The only reason really to bring him up today is to speak to those that own him and to urge you not to be tempted to trade him away unless you're getting some serious value for him. Um, but for the majority it will just be one you have to try and lure away uh, in a transfer, but expect to pay a high tariff for him at the moment. The second midfielder is Diogo Jota, who should represent a more realistic waiver target for some of you this week. He got his second league start since moving to Liverpool and scored the winner to bring his league total to two goals from his opening four appearances. Whether we are likely to see Liverpool continue with four out-and-out attackers remains to be seen, but it is clear that Jota is the clear fourth man behind the usual trio and will either feature off the bench or come in to cover injuries across that front line should he need to. Definitely too good to be scoring points for the waiver pile and will be hot property on the waiver wire ahead of game week seven. His ownership is just over 50% in eight team leagues and that climbs as the league sizes increase. For me, he should be picked up in leagues with six or more managers at a minimum. And even if his appearances are largely off of the bench, he would be more valuable to me than comparable players that will start most games like a St. Maximan, Pereira for West Brom or an Adama Traore um, and possibly even Leandro Trossard on recent form. He just looks like he's going to be a very useful, efficient and capable addition to Liverpool's squad that will need to keep the goals uh coming if their defence struggles like many predict and he could be weighing in on that and could even get more goals than Bobby Firmino this year.
On to the forwards, and there's only one place to start, and that's Patrick Bamford. Now, for the majority, he will only represent a potential trade target, and following on from his hat-trick against Villa now, it's probably not the time to try, as you will be paying top dollar for him. This is more of a note for those in smaller leagues of six and below, where he is still sat on a sizable chunk of waiver piles, up to 30% of, of leagues he's free in, the smaller you get. He's currently, without doubt, in the top 12 strikers for FPL, so should only be on the waiver pile if there are less than four managers in your league. The second striker to mention, and I'm surprised I'm mentioning him here because I penciled his name in uh, into the hidden gems section without before I'd looked at his ownership stats, but was surprised to find that his ownership is actually really high, and that's Batshuayi for Crystal Palace. But I'm, I guess that's not surprising because starting strikers are hard to come by these days. He's now had two consecutive league starts and has notched an assist in each game. I don't love the idea of having Batshuayi as one of my strikers as I don't see him scoring too many goals. And Zaha remains the solitary uh, fulcrum that Palace's offence revolves around. Also, his chances have only come really due to Jordan Ayew contracting. COVID-19 and once he's over that which could be this week um, I can see IU getting getting back in the starting 11 as he's been a loyal servant for Roy Hodgson does lots of running around so this is more one for those that are particularly desperate let's talk about some hidden gems then so all of these for those who are new to the podcast are players that have less than 10% ownership, so in theory should be available to more than 90% of you, depending on your league size. Now, I'm going to start with a slightly more general pick, which is the West Ham defence. Now, once West Ham get through the weekend match against Liverpool, they have one of the best fixture runs in the league, which is a reward for the horrible start they've had, which has already included games against Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Spurs and Man City. Um, up until the end of Jan, the only standout tricky fixtures on paper are Manu at home in game week 11 and Chelsea away in game week 14. Now, West Ham have performed well above expectations so far and could have a very good season if they're able to reproduce these results against the teams in and around them. Their success has come with a back five, which seems relatively settled at the moment, with Masuaku on the left. Creswell, Ogbonna and Balbuena in the middle and new addition Soufal at right back uh, or right wing back. The safest options from that group are probably Ogbonna and Soufal as their places seem quite nailed as it stands and should remain the same even if they revert to a flat four. On the left, Creswell and Masuaku could end up competing for one spot if they go for a back four, but both seem like decent picks for now. Balbuena is the most at risk with direct competition from Issa Diop, who's yet to return to the team since having a positive COVID-19 test, um, which he got in the same testing window as David Moyes did. The only complication is that Balbuena has played pretty well in Diop's absence. And if you look at um, centre-back combos when they play in a back four, the combination of Diop and Balbuena actually has the highest win percentage I think of around 44% so might not be as straightforward a swap. Next is Fofana for Leicester. Um, 
Fair to say Leicester got a fortunate clean sheet against Arsenal, but he continues to look solid, deputising for long-term injury Sionchu, and his ownership remains very low. Leicester's fixtures aren't too bad, with only a trip to Liverpool in game week nine as a likely stumbling block before getting into the Christmas period. Following that, they have an attractive run of Fulham, Sheffield and Brighton. A few midfielders to mention now, and I'm going to start by going back to West Ham again, and that's, uh, in fact, going to mention a couple of West Ham midfielders. The first is Suchek. Now, based on the previous spiel I gave with regards to West Ham's defence, it's also reasonable to have a look at their attacking options, um, which is why I'm pulling out a couple today. So Thomas Suchek is basically Moyes' new Fellaini, uh, wins an incredible amount of balls at the back post and shows you know, he's got a great propensity for getting into the opposition penalty area as soon as the ball is worked wide. So far, he only has one assist to show for his efforts. But if you go back, um, I'm going back to a point I'm sure I've made on a previous pod, possibly even at the end of last season during Project Restart. Looking at his goal scoring data since the 18-19 season, he's got 33 goals from 94 games, including some Champions League goals for Slavia Prague. Now, whatever your thoughts are on the Premier League being a step up, he's still getting his head on enough crosses and a season goal tally of seven or eight goals seems achievable and would be a very useful income for your fifth midfielder spot. The second option doesn't have a single Premier League minute yet, and that's West Ham's new signing from Brentford, Saeed Benarama. Jared Bowen is not going to be dropped anytime soon, and he's really going to be competing with Pablo Fornals in the current system. Now, he comes with a decent goal-scoring pedigree from the last couple of years, in the championship with 27 goals and 24 assists from 81 league games. If you're in some of the larger leagues, he's going to be one that I think you're going to have to take a punt on on early. But if you're in some of the smaller leagues, he is probably one that you can wait on for a few more weeks just to see how he'll slot in. The last midfielder is another newcomer to the league, and that's Sengiz Under, Leicester's new Turkish winger who they brought in from Roma. Plays on the right wing. And the current custodian of that spot, Ayosi Perez, has really done nothing so far this season to cement his place and even found himself out of the squad at the weekend with no talk that I've heard of an injury to rule him out. Under assisted Vardy's goal brilliantly and looks like the only attacker uh, in that Leicester team able to match Vardy's pace on the break, meaning the crosses are going to be able to come in a bit more laterally rather than from the kind of traditional Leicester way of a quarterback pinging forward diagonal ball that, that Vardy can run onto. His numbers aren't massively exciting if we look back at his career so far, with his best season in recent years, uh, bringing in three goals and seven assists. But he looks likely to see a run in the team and is available in the majority of leagues. So it could be an easy direct swap for Perez if you're rightly looking to move on. Um, his ownership actually dropped... Uh, a decent chunk last week, maybe because, you know, he was still um, not getting his first league start. So if you're struggling in bigger leagues, you may be able to take advantage of that. And finally, the only striker worth mentioning really in this section remains uh, Carl and Grant, who I discussed last week, managed to get his first goal in the 1-1 draw with Brighton. It was another match to assure us of his starting spot in the team. For what it's worth, I'd rather own Grant than uh, Brewster, for example, 
who has comparatively much higher ownership. So in this section, I'll run through some players who I think you should be getting rid of, who from the stats look very over-owned to me. Uh, the first one is Dean Henderson, whose ownership stats remain in the high 80s. Does not look like getting near the League 11 anytime soon. David De Gea's, you know, continuing to, to do a very serviceable job in goal, so just not one worth holding on to. Moving on to the defenders, um, the first couple are obviously long-term injuries with Virgil van Dijk, whose you know, season is done and reading between the lines of reports coming out about his injury, it sounds as though he could have injured uh, more than his ACL, which would push the recovery time towards 12 months, potentially even impacting his rank for next year's draft day. And as I said last week, an unfortunate loss for those that owned him, but time to move him on. Uh, the second one in that vein is Suyunchu, who's definitely out until 2021 and not worth keeping on the bench. Um, the third is Rudiger for Chelsea, who has not featured at all this season. And in the context of transfer rumours pre-season, you know, it doesn't look positive for him. Even with Chelsea going with a back three against Man United, he could only manage a spot on the bench. Um, you know, And his ownership isn't silly high, but certainly higher than it should be. Ayosi Perez, as you probably guess based on my uh, discussion about Unda, his ownership is too high because I think his his place is now is now gone. Pogba is another one whose ownership remains crazy high. His ownership's higher than a number of far better options, including Havertz, Jota, who I've mentioned, and, and Phil Foden, just to name a few. Even if he was playing, it's hard to justify having him at the moment, but now he's been rightly relegated to the bench, he's either one to drop or try and get some minimal trade action for. Mesut Ozil, an ever-present feature in this segment, uh, not in the registered Premier League squad, and now a full-time social media cheerleader earning 350k a week, who is expertly towing the line between outward disdain and, and subtle sarcasm towards Arsenal. He's worth having in your team just in case FPL introduce a new scoring metric, offering bonuses for undermining your club. So scarce are the strikers that it's inevitable some names are being held on to, but for me, Tammy Abraham is probably one that more should be encouraged to move on, especially with ownership around the 90% mark uh, in a lot of moderately sized leagues. There's no doubt he won't be starting games, so you'll need to decide if you're happy to have uh, Tammy in your squad for a 15-minute cameo at the end of a game versus a starting striker for a lesser club. Let's have a look at your draft FPL investment portfolio uh, with some sell high and buy low picks. Starting off with the sell high, the first player I want to mention is Romain Seiss, uh, who was very fortunate to get his clean sheet banked as he was subbed off just after the hour mark, putting him uh, top of the defender table after six weeks with 38 points. Now, if you've got high waiver priority this week and Kilman was available, it could be a nice time to move, get some trade value for size, knowing you'll be able to get a virtual like-for-like replacement on the waivers. The second is Patrick Bamford, who I've already mentioned. Um, he was on last week's sell high list, so hopefully your negotiations carried over into this week because his stock is most definitely up following the hat-trick against Villa. 
one to think about if you're seeing echoes of Timu Puki in his presentation so far. But for me, and that's speaking as somebody who hung on to Puki all season last year for my sins, I think Leeds will continue to create plenty of opportunities for him. And I would be hanging on if you were astute enough to draft him in the first place. A couple of big names to mention on the buy low list this week. And bearing in mind, you know, buying low is relative and I'm not expecting you to swap uh, anyone outside of uh, of the first round for him. But Aubameyang is the first one to mention because I'm sure owners will be starting to get cold feet. And if he is somebody you fancy, now could be the time to make a move for him. If I was drafting today, it would be hard to not take Kane and Son over him based on performances so far with the rest of the preseason big dogs in KDB, Sterling, Salah, Mane and Bruno uh, still holding on to their reputation that they had ahead of the draft. So, you know, if you do fancy Aubameyang, could be the time to try and get him in. The second one, and uh, generally one of the most underrated players in FPL, as managers have this blinkered delusion that he is uh, a victim of Pep Roulette. Um, but when he plays, he nearly always performs, and that's Riyad Mahrez. He looks to be a victim as much of anyone of uh, Manchester City's recent off-the-boil performances. Um, and while I can't be bothered to dig into the numbers, I'd be surprised if there has ever been a period before where he started three consecutive league games for City without registering any goal contribution. Now, a you know an ungrateful owner of Riyadh may be amenable to a sale this week, and it could be worth seeing if you can cheekily bundle a decent defender with a middle-rate midfielder and see what kind of response you get. So that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. A reminder that we will be having Friday night matches for the foreseeable future. So the waiver and trade deadlines will now be on Thursday evening. So make sure you don't forget um, as you know, a missed gem in the early weeks can be a real painful echo throughout the season. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss any future episodes and if you see us posting on social media or on the forums I'd love to hear from you the best way to contact is on twitter at FPL Draft Hub Pod, and I'm usually able to get to most messages the same day during the next international break after game week eight there will be another opportunity to indulge in some more feature episodes outside of the week-to-week chat and I'm already planning an episode dedicated to player trading But if there was anything else you'd like to hear discussed and dissected, please do let me know, um, as there will probably be others that will feel the same. Likewise, if there are any areas uh, week to week you feel I'm missing or just want to hear more on, then please do drop me a line um, because feedback is always appreciated. So best of luck for this week's waivers. Outside of the new signing madness in the opening weeks, this window feels like a big one as the leagues are starting to take shape. And whether you're currently flying high or struggling at the bottom of your leagues, as always, stay shook.